Welcome to Ag Lead, a podcast about developing the future of agriculture. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Aubrey. In this episode, I talk with special guest, Joy O'Shaughnessy, COO of Women in Agribusiness, about how to convert in-person events into engaging, thoughtful, virtual events, always with a lens towards the attendee experience. Check out our show notes for links, resources, and downloads. Now, let's tune in. Hello, and good to have you here. Hey, I'm your host, Sarah Beth Aubrey, here with my guest tonight, Joy. Hi, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. So I'll just give you a quick sketch on Joy's career. So she started out in television production as a television producer. So she worked in children's education programs and actually had regional and national awards, including Emmy nominations. That's amazingly cool. Um, Today, she is the chief operating officer of the agribusiness section or division of the High Quest Partners. And then she also serves as the event director for their Women in Agribusiness Summit. She'll tell you a lot more about the organization and her own words in a few minutes. Joy manages a team remotely, and they have really spent a lot of 2020 in a major pivot. Her words are reimagining what an event is (laughs) and how to still deliver the great content, get sponsors to stay involved, engage attendees, and I love this, convincing naysayers that yes, you can have a great event virtually. So I know we're going to have a good conversation today. We're going to cover around three topics, but Joy could talk for hours on this, and her depth of knowledge is extensive. So what we're going to try to do is keep it in three lanes, just so you have a couple little deliverables you can take home and say, I need help there, I need help there. And, but she's going to talk from her personal experience and her stories. One of the first things that I'm going to ask her about today is the pivot of your mindset to have to reset your events and what that's going to look like. Because, you know, I know she'll tell you that part of the the shock of changing your event is just the shock of having to change your event, you know, best laid plans and all that good stuff. So we're going to talk about that. Um, She's going to share some of her best audience engagement strategies when to use them and when not to use them because they are not good for all audiences. Some people just don't have a sense of humor. And then she's going to talk a little bit about how you can prep your presenters and speakers to have success online with a virtual live event. So just because someone's really high up in the organization, maybe doesn't mean they're the best online. And she's going to give you some tips on how to help them be their best and deliver great content to everyone watching. So that's kind of the recap today. I think we should get into it. So Joy, back to you. I'm so excited to get into this today. Um, We only have 60 minutes and oh my gosh, it's going to go fast. So one of the things that we spent a lot of time about talking about Joy was your organization and how you are an event planning organization. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about HighQuest and your role and and what your organization does. Absolutely. And I'll keep it short because there's so much to get to. I want to get to it. As Arabeth said, I'm the Chief Operating Officer of the Agribusiness Division at HighQuest Partners, which is an agribusiness-focused event and consulting firm. Uh, we have headquarters that are just outside of Boston, but our team is spread out over nine, maybe more, states. Uh, wow. We produce mostly seven large and multiple small events, all uh, looking at various aspects of the ag industry throughout the year and globally. Uh, so, And all of them are now virtual. So this is my life right here, this box. <laughs> she is the queen of Zoom now and other stages online, I am sure. So your organization was primarily, until recently, only live event delivery. Absolutely, 100%. Wow, okay. Well, this makes a great pivot to get into the discussion of what's happened with your company this year and with your audience, with your sponsors, I'd love for you to share with us a very recent experience. You had a women agribusiness event planned for Paris in the awful month of March, 2020. With so, a side trip to Venice afterwards, by the way. <laughs> so I had exactly the wrong itinerary. But uh, yeah, so for a lot of businesses, whether or not to pivot to um, virtual was an option. It was not an option for us. This uh, conferences was our business. So it was close the doors or innovate. And uh, no one was closing the doors. And so we were really forced with a short time frame to move over to this new platform. And 
there was a sea of bad information out there. There were resistance uh, all over the place. And I will say, we, so we held the event July 2 and 3, and it was quite successful. In fact, I just got off the phone with one of our biggest sponsors who held their own survey, and their team preferred it, thought the content was great, and uh, actually no. this more. So uh, I, feel, I take that as a win. One of the things, um, so for those of you who don't know, um, so Sarah Beth has been participating in a part of Women in Ag now for such a long time. And in February, we had so many uh, questions coming up in the ag space that we sent a shout out to all of our uh, speakers and friendlies and said, who's got some information or knowledge that might be helpful right now? And uh, would you share them? And Sarah Beth did. She stepped up and she did a video for us, which you can find in our resource center online, about the four responses to crisis. And I have been using that as a guideline through this process. And so I'm going to now take Sarah Beth's own words and use them back at you as one of the ways um, that we've been coping with this pivot, mostly as it, as it pertains to my own team, quite frankly, our sponsors and our attendees' attitude towards virtual events. So coming from a, from a business plan that is 100% in-person, shaking hands, putting cocktails in people's hands, handing them bags, stage, lights, all of that, um, you have to imagine we had a lot of resistance. So Sarah Beth talks about in her video the four responses to crisis. And they uh, on the spectrum, they start at the hunker and hides, right? And these are the, and Sarah Beth, you can fill in some of the gaps for me. I'm going to glaze over them. No problem. I love their application. Thank you. <laughs> but the hunker and hides are the, no, no, we don't want this, right? And you're always going to have those. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're not converting them. They're, they're there. The only way they are going to participate in something like this is when everyone else is doing it, enjoying it, and then they have no other choice. So my advice to them is just buy some sturdy rope because you are dragging them into this. <laughs> so, I, you have such great tweetables. Get the sturdy rope. <laughs> so that's one. All right, fine. That's a quarter of the people. The next, uh, Sarah Beth talks about the conformists, right? And they want to know, well, what are the rules and what? Are, just tell me what I need to do, and I'm going to do that because I'm not sure what to do right now. I'm in crisis. So uh, the good thing about conformists and the new thing about virtual events is that it conforms to the new rules, <laughs> right? Sure it does. All the doors are now closed to you. Yeah. You can't go anywhere, but business is still happening. So if you want to do your job, you're going to participate or you're going to seek out that new business or those new connections or keep yourself up to date. And this is the only way to do it. So you can leave that breadcrumb trail out for the conformists to come. That's not that difficult. Um, the, I'm going to skip. The end group are the vanguards, the people who embrace change. I have a lot of character flaws, but this is not one of them. I'm a vanguard. I love new. Show me new. I want to do yeah. the new. And so I was on this, and I'm not patting myself on the back, because I said I have a lot of other character flaws. <laughs> so the vanguards are not a problem. They're on board. It's the one group net between the conformists and the vanguards, which are the fence sitters. And these are the people who really can't make up their mind. They're not really sure. They'd really rather not. Blah. You know, so they are the down, the Debbie Downers a bit because they really like just to go back to the old way and you got to convince them. And this is where I focus most of my energy. These are the people you can convince by overcoming a lot of the obstacles they throw up to participating in virtual conferences. So I'm just going to go through a couple of the arguments that I've been using. I uh, love that. That is free, awesome. Feel free to steal them. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I'll take royalty checks afterwards. Um, but, uh, one of them is, oh, you're going to lock me to my computer for two days. So my first reaction is, whoa, are you going to be on a mountaintop those two days? You were going to be in front of your computer anyway. Are you working? This is what work is. So I'm not making you do anything different than you would have been doing anyway. So, okay, let's get over that. Um, then it's, oh, you're going to two days of sessions, but I've got emails and meetings and such, which is true because you're not at a conference. You haven't blocked those travel days away. But depending on how you're offering your product, uh, Sarah Beth is offering videos. My, my events, 10 minutes after the live session, the videos are available. I keep saying there are nine seasons of The Office on Netflix. Are you going to sit down today and watch them all? <laughs> I don't know. Can't you do it. watch them at your leisure. 
So do the same here. This is content that's available to you. Have the meeting, take the call with your client, walk the dog, feed the kids, and then sit down and watch the content when, when you're free to do it. Um, the only thing I, in fact, I've told several people for our events, show up for the live networking because that's irreplaceable. Show up live for the sessions where the speakers are really someone you think you're going to want to ask questions to. Mm-hmm. And then watch the other stuff at your discretion. It's like a now and later. So have some now, save some for later. It, it, the value doesn't diminish because you watched it 20 minutes later. And I think people need to have that mindset a little bit of this is not meant to be a drudgery. Right? It's meant to be convenient and valuable for you. So put it in a way that's convenient. And if you want to schedule your whole day, like I'm going to be at every session live, God bless. You don't have to. And yeah. that those sort of things make people go, oh, yeah, I guess I didn't really realize that watching it 20 minutes later wasn't that big a deal. No, and so that is awesome. So you recommend being live on the networking. Absolutely. And trying to be live with those key speakers that you really want an actual question to them, just like you would an audience. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, the other thing we hear about is Zoom fatigue. Yeah. Uh, and I, I have I have a pretty strong opinion about this. <laughs> okay, I want to hear. I want This is where we hear. What is Zoom fatigue, and what do you think of it? But people are saying, "Oh, there's so many Zoom things. I can't. I'm just tired of it. I just don't want to do it." Um, so first of all, uh, not clearly cr- clearly understanding exactly everyone in this audience. So I'm not sure if I'm missing a mark here or not. And I apologize if I am. Um, one, please stop holding unnecessary video calls. <laughs> Yes. Right. If your team meeting has been on the phone for the past 10 years, but now you all have Zoom and now you're doing video calls, stop it. Because they don't anything that doesn't need to be on video should not be on video. You are creating a problem. I'm assuming everyone out there watching is creating virtual events like me. You are creating uh, the problem. You are adding to the fatigue, the over zooming of folks. So stop it. (laughs) There's that. There is a glut of bad webinars and Zoom meetings out there. And that the other thing I want to say to all of the folks out there is stop it. <laughs> I have attended so many webinars, seminars uh, in the past few months, especially when we were trying to figure out how to manage this shift that had no value mm-hmm. for the attendee that I was getting angry. My team and I would be IMing like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. There was a session once held on how to figure out how to monetize your event. And the key, the key takeaway was price things accordingly. And my mind almost exploded. Are you kidding me? What does that mean? What's that? Accordingly. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what that means. So all those bad mechanic sessions, like nobody takes their car to the mechanic to be told it's broken. (laughs) Take your car to mechanic to have them fix it. So if you are not providing answers to questions, then stop having these sessions. If they're, or be very upfront and honest and explain the value proposition of what you're offering. So people understand this is a sales pitch. This is where I'm going to tease you with three pieces of information and pitch you at the end and hope that you buy more from me. Because again, you're tainting the pool because those are free. I literally had a sponsor this morning say, your conference is expensive versus these others. And I go, yeah, those are free sales pitches. I'm bringing you value and content that your team really needs in order to operate their business better. Kind of a different thing. So either be very clear about what you're offering or please write an article, do a video, write a white paper. Let's stop oversaturating our space where we're trying to provide value with non-valuable video sessions because you're adding to that concept of Zoom fatigue, which I think is a little bit of fake news because if there really was fatigue at watching screens all day, no one would be watching Netflix. And Netflix. <laughs> right. They only yeah. get off Zoom to go sit on the couch and watch Netflix. So, right. so not really, really a problem. No, oh my gosh, that's such a great point. So you're saying it's not the fatigue of the video because we watch enough video. It's the fatigue of the lack of content potentially that people are just potentially bored if they're not getting really great stuff. If, if you wouldn't attend that session or if you know in your heart you're not providing answers to important questions to the people on the other side of the screen, then don't have it. 
Yeah. Messing it up for the rest of us. Oh my gosh. That's, I love that analogy that we don't have to do everything on Zoom today. There are certain, we're doing some things, but they're not all necessary. So maybe you can tell us if there was any specific, you don't have to give names, of course, but the specific types of resistance that you saw that you had to overcome, whether it was a sponsor or an audience member or a speaker. I mean, what kind of things did you see that you had to help move past? One of the things that we had to deal with was um, the constant comparison to live. Ah, uh, okay. Live's not happening. It's not, it's uh, also, it's like comparing your car to the horse and buggy. It's not there. It doesn't exist. It's not happening. So you can't compare it. And to be honest, I feel depending on the platform you're using or what you're presenting, there are some really solid advantages to virtual. In fact, we have an event coming up, our organic and non-GMO forum. So the platform we use, you take the attendee list and you can sort it by more company, um, seniority level, areas of interest, what you're there to do. So if I said, I wanted to see everyone who's trading soybeans in the Northeast, click, it sorts the list. And so instead of like walking into a, a reception and hoping I find somebody who's buying soybeans, uh, organic soybeans, I have a list. I don't even have to go to the event. Like you've now just attracted those people and sorted that list for me. I can just send out a few emails and maybe get some business before the event even starts. So there are some, wow. You know, I hadn't really thought about that in that exact words, but one of the things I share in my power connector is you, you need to plan. Who do you need to see that when you're at that event? So on what you're saying in the virtual format, that plan is like executed in two seconds seconds and then you can set up those meetings and off uh, off you go and so wow. it, it's funny um the folks that usually go to that event are not the ones that download the app or engage in the app which is sad um our women in agribusiness event you know, 85 to 90 percent of the people download the app and use it our organic and non-gmo forum it's like 30 percent and that's the that audience, if they were to embrace this technology, that there'd be so much more business being done. But I, again, I'm buying some sturdy rope and I'm dragging those people there. I'm having to walk them through. Let me show you how easy lead retrieval is. When you have a sponsor page, everybody who clicks on it, I can tell you their name, when they clicked and how many times they clicked and what they looked at. Isn't that super, whether or not they engaged with you at all. So now like it's a little, you know, big brothery. But that's what you pay for when you sponsor a, you know, an event with a platform. Right? You get to have these things and therefore you understand who is interested in you. Even if you are at your booth and you were talking to somebody and they walked by, well, now you've, we've captured them for you. So there's a lot of value propositions to doing it this way. It's just bringing the folks along. And my own team needed to, to see that. You know, they go, oh, how, how are we going to replace that handshake and i went with a lead list <laughs> that's pretty compelling i mean i want to shake hands but i really want the business right so right. that's what we're there for that's i mean i guess what you're sharing with us is it's it's a trade-off like every choice is a is a trade-off the, the neither one are really perfect no. we get two different things with the two different options right so very, very good. One last thing on the mindset shift. You talked about the team. They had to kind of work through. And for many people, I found it was like a grieving process. Yes. Did you experience that at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Um, and so the other thing is, while you might be using Zoom, we, we purchased a, a platform that has some, um, we demoed over 22 platforms because right. um, we felt creating events is our business. So it's really important to have engagement with the sponsors. Networking was really key. However, for us, we are super lucky that people come to us for content. So we can still provide the education for sure, but the networking we wanted to have as robust as possible, but the avail availability for the sponsors to engage was pretty key. Um, and there are new platforms coming out all the time. So it may even be better after I've stopped looking, but there was a lot of grieving. Uh, um, and it's funny, our first round of sponsor calls, we got a lot of, eh, eh, maybe not this year, maybe next year. And then we came back to them 
after we've kind of educated ourselves on where the value really is, and then then they were all on board. And it was really kind of exciting to see them catch, you know, it's uh, what, what what is it? Be the be the be the coal, like you know that that lands in the pile of sticks. We kept you know just <laughs> spreading the fire around, and everyone was lighting up. So the thing is, yeah, these events are virtual, but that doesn't mean they can't also be tangible and meaningful. So mm-hmm. our event, the first five hundred people who register to create ur- urgency, are, are being shipped a box of uh, goodies from the sponsors. You know, that's just a way to put the, you know, we do things like uh, there's a deck of cards so you can play with your family or a spatula from one of our, you know, food related sponsors. Those things are now in your life, you know, forever. I have I have a pizza cutter from an event three years ago. And I every time I think of that sponsor, it's yeah. those things that are still tangible. We're talking about shipping meal kits to some attendees so that we all have lunch together. I mean, you're really only limited by your own imagination here. So, so get creative. Um, it doesn't all have to be on the screen or if it is on the screen, it all doesn't have to be dry. Getting the team on board about how there are meaningful ways to connect through the computer or around the computer, um, or there are, uh, for the sponsors, meaningful ways to still get your message across, um, like so that we have a thing called virtual booths, which is just a Zoom call for each sponsor. I know that you have a trade show, and I know that you also have a night coming up at Women in Agribusinesses. Right. Can you talk to us a little bit about how those kinds of virtual booths, virtual trade shows, how does that work, and and how did you convince your your uh, folks to participate in that? I'd love to hear a little bit about that because I think that's a real area of question for people. The meeting seems tangible. Yes. I know a lot of people that are watching are industry folks. They work for corporations. The booth thing is like, what is that? Okay, so this is where I keep the, the thing I keep saying is you're only limited by your own imagination. There's so much that can be done with this, and it isn't until I walk the sponsors and the exhibitors through it that they, you know, the light bulbs. Um, for me, as someone who is selling these opportunities, it is important for me to understand their business and figure out a. I'm figuring out ways for them to highlight their products. I'm having to do it for them. So I, anyone who's in my sort of seat, I, I encourage you to, to be creative. If you're on the marketing team of a, of a corporation who has a booth, you really need to get outside this box. So we did have exhibitors who literally just sat their person there and just waited uh, for someone to come into the Zoom call. So every sponsor had a page. On the page was a button and when you hit the button you went into their booth cool okay it's just a zoom call but so some folks had hey how can i help you what's your question today other folks said oh i'm going to set up my booth and i'm going to be sitting in my 10 by 10 booth okay that's fine if that's where you're comfortable with but i have a testing lab that's a sponsor so why don't you have somebody in your lab give a tour of somebody actually running a test on something? Is that is that actually, you know, is there gluten in that food? Let's see. Um, we had uh, someone who uh, did a speak, spoke on a very controversial topic, provided additional Q&A in their booth, which got a ton of traffic bring, bringing them there. Uh, I had an executive search firm do... Uh, extra content, top five tips for finding the best team during their booth times. I am for women and ag coming up. I'm setting up farm tours. So if you are a seed manufacturer, we're going to have, you know, three of your farmers on their phone doing a tour of their farm. Come on, everybody. You're going to see how high the corn is right now um, or what's happening in our dairy barn. Because you can, and why wouldn't you? Because how exciting is that? I'd log into that. <laughs> I'd want to be able to ask that farmer a question about, uh, you know, how their year is or what's going on or what do they I see? Too. So they're teed up, they're ready to go. They're already connected with that sponsor. And now you, what that sponsor can connect you with a variety of stuff. Right. It can be so over tours of their physical location, interaction with the sponsor's customers that might also be you, your customers or your network, 
Nice. The opportunity to take more detailed Q&A that we didn't have time for in the actual yeah. keynote or whatever. Content that I wouldn't have offered on my agenda. Special additional content. So that's four things. Wow. Okay. Uh, one more thing I keep saying too, and I know companies like guard their C-suite people like there's no tomorrow. I would never get some of these C-suite people to come to my conference. Oh. But my goodness, they can't sit down for 15 minutes and be in the booth and say, come ask Q&A with our, with our CEO, uh, you know, because the buy-in for that is minimal. Why wouldn't you do that? That's exciting. And really 15, 20 minutes with that person, I'm sure they could spare it. So, and they might like it too with that interaction with the, with the customer and the marketplace. Right. Um, I don't know. We have an event that's supposed to have been in Nashville. I'm encouraging one sponsor to, to hire um, like a, a band <laughs> to play during one of their times that the booth is open. Like, come listen to this this music because it's fun and it's, it's lunchtime. And I don't know, you know, so really you've got to think outside of we're sitting in front of the computer. Where can you take me? Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to go even at a ballroom. So really, you this gives you more access to everything that you like about the conference. The trade-off is you don't touch the people, you don't have a cocktail with them, but you get more in a lot of ways. Yep. So no That's a really interesting piece about the um, the trade show thing. I thank you because I've actually had a few questions to me about that in my business. You know, I do a lot of speaking and I build uh, grower peer networks. I have not done one of those virtual trade shows and I was like, I'm asking Joy, I have no idea what to do. Okay, is there anything else you want to add on that before we, we talk a little bit more about audience? No, just just be creative. Um, yeah. There's so much that can be done. And again, so when people think about trade shows, they think about taking their entire business, shrinking it down to a tabletop, or a 10 by 10, right? To, to help give a window. But you can actually bring me to where you're doing business now. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to sit at a table with a table covering in your business cards. No. You no. can do something cooler. Way cooler. And I encourage you to do that because that's going to be that's going to be eye-catching and grabbing and more engaging. And then, like I said, your table in a room full of tables. Oh, gosh. That's so interesting. Okay. So let's move on to audience engagement strategies and some just, you know, maybe kick it off. You're a really great storyteller. Do you have any interesting stories around this? Funny, good, bad, ugly, wherever you want to go around how it works to engage audiences. What does it work? You know, that would be a great way to start. And then maybe I'll tee up some questions on that. I don't know if there's a a story that comes to mind. There, There are a couple things. This is a little harder because every event has a different vibe, right? Um, are these your clients? Are these your hot, are these your VIPs? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really, it's hard to say this is what you should be doing, but you really need to read the vibe. However, there's, there's everything from the silly to the meaningful that you can do. Um, we, women in ag, we are all about industry content. We're serious about helping women be great at their jobs so that they get the advancement and the opportunities that they deserve. But we also have a little room for fun. Uh, that audience can tolerate, you know, some, some maybe less than professional things. So yeah. we, we take advantage of that when we can. So we do these live um, networking events. One event, there were emojis on popsicles, like a light bulb and a heart and a smiley face. And if you saw something, you heard an idea you want, you'd hold up your your heart or your idea, uh, you know, so that you were, you felt like you were inputting something. I mean, those are minimal, but there are things like uh, the, the speed dating, the mailings, I think, help people feel a little bit more in touch. Like uh, our coffee sponsor is sending everyone a mug. So that when we're networking during coffee hour, we're all using our logoed mug uh, with a little thing of coffee in it. So you can taste this woman owned business's coffee, you know, so we're trying to bring the event out of the screen into the seat for people as much as possible. There are polls that people take um, there. You can gamification is really popular. You know, bingo, where you have to go on different sites. You know, if you click on different things, you get points and you win prizes. Um, one-on-one meetings, if you need to be more professional, 
uh, is a great way to help keep people engaged. Um, it, it's hard to give advice in this topic because it, what does your brand, what can your brand tolerate? Okay. So you have to find that. That's really good advice. Let, let's run that down a second. So you really go back to who's your audience, what's the setting, and what's your brand? Right. That sounds like good event planning no matter what. Right. And then where, where can you go with it? Again, I, I'm a big thinker. I like, I, I like to be creative. So therefore that, that for me is like the fun. That's, that's the part of my job. I like, all right, what can we do with these people? Yeah. So have you ever had anything that just flopped <laughs> or it was just like kind of, Oh, maybe we won't do that one again. Um, yeah. Sometimes for different reasons. Uh, I will say, um, uh, I'm about to make a broad sweeping generalization about a group of people. I don't believe I'm going to do this. Um, <laughs> networking is harder in the European nations. What, right? Online, you mean? Yes. Okay. Online, they, they have yet to embrace online networking the way the U.S. has. Let me just put it that way. That's less than a, a broad sweeping generalization about a group of people. And maybe I'm a chatty New Yorker, you know, uh, I'm an Italian as well. So I'll talk to a brick wall. So I always like, I don't understand why people aren't willing to get on and just talk to strangers. There are, there are, there are such things as introverts. I don't understand <laughs> either. Um, but culturally that's not something embraced. And I will say that those that came to the networking, the live random, like we're going to mix you up and put you in a room with three other people go. Those that came loved it, but most people stayed away in droves. And that's because I, I was not keyed in to that. That's not a thing yet there. That's interesting. So it didn't flop. It just wasn't, it was ahead of what that particular audience was really ready or willing to do for the most part. I'm, I'm behind knowing more about them. Maybe okay. Well, but that's a great point. So that was an opportunity to, get, to learn more about that audience. Yeah. That you just didn't realize you didn't know. Didn't know. So mm. in that case, then how do you do you do follow up with that with them for some, you know, how would you like to engage or do you just keep it in the breakouts and the content and skip it? I mean, you know, I know that's general too, but you know, when you've, when you've recognized that, do you go back and try it again or take it off the plate? Well, since we probably won't do that event again for another year, um, my my secret thought is that by next year, those people will be used to it. <laughs> that very well could be. Great point. And you so know. I'm going to try it again, uh, but I'll probably going to host more uh, individual networking only events to kind of train them. So it's not going to be a conference with networking. It's going to become to just this networking. And I'm going to piece them out like, again, like breadcrumbs leading to the thing. I'm okay. going to try and get them on board and hopefully they'll experience it more in the next year. And Because right now I, I don't have any ideas on how else you can randomly meet other strangers at a virtual conference other than throwing yourself in the mix. Um, and until somebody develops that software or comes up with that idea, I'm at a loss. So again, buying some sturdy rope and dragging those, the dragging those people to your bus. Right. Well, okay. So tell me a little bit more about, this is another audience engagement strategy. And we've got, um, tell me a little bit more about virtual networking. You know, that's got a lot of different connotations too. When we first got into the shutdowns, I felt like my friends and I were doing Zoom with wine like all the time. And and mostly we just sat there and complained. I feel like that's what, you know, that was the, what we did. So it's kind of whining. But, you know, more and more of these actual events that are standalone, networking only, no content per se, are coming up. Talk to me about how you've been prepared audiences for that or... You know, what, what's that look like and how is, how are those successful when, when they work? I, I'm going to admit that I haven't tried multiple variations. I've tried one and it's worked. So I've okay. started. So we, we used to fly out to different cities, 11 different cities in the country that had like good ag centers and pick a restaurant and say, meet us here for cocktails. And that's something that, that we already had established as community building in local areas, meet your local other women in ag. So we knew there was an audience for meeting other people this way. 
again, not doing that now. So we created a Zoom. And as I've described, you come into the call um, and we've had anywhere between you know 25 and 100 uh, people in these. We break them out into rooms of depending four, maybe five people. We try to have as many of our people in each room just so that we're helping things along and we time it. All right, 10 minutes, go and have your conversation. And then it even kind of times down the last minute and everyone comes back in and we reshuffle and we do it again. And we try to recreate the experience of being, being at a reception or being at a coffee hour where you go and you get your cup of coffee and you bump into someone who's grabbing a muffin and you go, Hey, how are you? And so for folks like me, I'm fine with this because I'm chatty and comfortable like this. But what I overwhelmingly heard after our first few was the introverts love it. Really? They would not have gone to that restaurant after work because it's just not their comfort zone. But now they're here. They're put into a room that they did not, of people they did not have to walk up to or, you know, build that courage. I am constantly reminding myself that there are people like that because I'm not and I have to, that's right, there are people not like me. And thank goodness, the idea is already accepted that we're here to engage and meet new people. And then the other part I heard was, and and if I had the courage to have walked up to them, I wouldn't have figured out how to walk away to meet somebody else. So the fact that you boot us all out and put me in another room with another people is more people than I would have met in person. Now we have a new benefit that I love from virtual networking. You're not stuck with the boring person telling you all about their PhD for an hour. Right. Oh gosh, that's happened to me many times. Now, when I was younger, I tolerated, I don't know, but that's just because I'm, I'm getting crotchety, but I love that. So you actually enable the shuffling to meet new people and they get to utilize their time rather well. If the first group wasn't the best fit or whatever, they get another one. They get another group, right? And that's so there are benefits to to doing that. And as we all know, in Zoom, you can leave a breakout anytime you want. Hey, guys, uh, there's something I want to go do, like whatever, click. And then you go to the person in the main room, go stick me in another room. I didn't like that room. There's no judgment in these things, right? It's not the same as physically walking away from somebody. So true. So you can check out and check back in. Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. These breakouts, doing virtual networking. We covered a little bit of tips for virtual networking in one of our other sessions, but this is really good examples on how to actually participate and execute a virtual networking event on your own. Minutes are so left in our our chat today. And so we'd love to take questions if you have them. So don't be shy. And Jasmine, let me know if there's questions and I'm not seeing them in case I'm missing it because that could happen. She's here. She's just like, she's over there, you know, which is the amazing thing also about virtual. Oh, the things you cannot see. <laughs> right. I think it's important too to fess up to those things. So I love that right. you referred to her because this is all real and people need to get over the, you know, oh my gosh, I can't give a verbal cue to my speaker because they'll hear me. Well, yeah, they'll hear you. Like we right. all know you're there. So right. do what you need to do to make this better. Um, give that person the the nudge if you have to. You're so right. It is. Yeah, you do have other people in a live event that's in person. And I'm getting picky about this, that syntax. Maybe it's just me, but you know, we're live. This is not an unlive day. This is just a virtual live event. I think we have to get over that mindset too, that there's no dialogue on a virtual event. There might not be if it's all videos, but there is dialogue here between us. Right, absolutely. We're chatting. And okay. I'm, I'm happy to show you too the some of the things that I you know I put in place to help make that. Um, go ahead and do that, and then we'll spend a little time talking about prepping speakers. You want to show us around? Feel free. Uh, sure. So um, one of the things that uh, my experience now has really hammered home is the is the need to show up professionally, mm-hmm. and uh, normally uh, you would buy a suit and tie, you would buy a dress, you would buy good shoes. And yeah, those aren't bad things to own, but right now they're not the tools needed to show up the way you want. Either if you're going to be a speaker or like Sarah Beth, if you're going to be hosting, um, <clears throat> there's some really simple tools that you really should invest in yep. 
uh, because it's the same way as buying a nice briefcase. This is work now, right? So, all right, I, I'm I'm going to turn off. Let's see if I can do this. Turn off my virtual background. By the way, so when I show up somewhere, this is my this is the background I use because I don't have a name badge. I don't have my company logo. This is my logo. And I want you to know that I'm connected here. And I think it's an easy virtual uh, visual cue. It also stops you from seeing my house. Like, yeah. because by the way, I do nothing but look at the back of your houses. I look at your partner, <laughs> I look at your binders, I watch your cat. And in some cases that's fine, but a lot that it's is not. So I encourage you to get your graphic designer friends or whatever, to just make something simple with your logo and always show up that way. But otherwise I'm gonna turn this off for a second. You know, here I am, wait, where is it? Uh, choose virtual background, where's a little pop-up? Uh, I'm gonna say none, here we are. Here's my $100 Amazon green screen, which goes, you know, 10 feet and by eight feet, because sometimes I want to stand because I am a host. Uh, we, my team did buy some ones that just apply that you put in the back of your chair and it pops up. But when those were late um, arriving, my team literally went to the store and bought $5 green sheets and hung them. And those worked magnificently. So for five bucks, you're going to rig a green sheet behind you. Now no one's looking at, well, there's a set of stairs behind me and my kids are here. Like wow. I, while I threaten them to, you know, an inch of their lives, they still come down those stairs in the middle of my call. So now it doesn't matter. <laughs> they are, they cannot be seen. Um, lighting is super important. Um, if you can face a window, always do, but that's not always the case. So $20 ring light. I have that same little mini one. Yeah. Right. That one's really good. It's little. You're oh yeah, it's just super tiny. Yeah. But I'm I'm not half in shadows. I'm not you know yeah. um now my son happens to be uh trying to be a music producer and I have a good microphone. So and it's just USB right into my um laptop, but I use that because uh you could lose video. And it's not good, but it's not going to be disastrous. If you lose audio, you're cooked. I believe in good audio. Like you'll see people wearing those headset and it sounds like they're in their living room. They sound like they're on a plane. That's not a good microphone. Like that's annoying to listen to. So you can buy a really reasonably priced microphone. That's going to be better. That's audio is key. If nothing else, focus on your audio. That's a really good point. Because if you lose that, you know, nobody... Just looking at you with your mouth moving is not a conversation. Exactly. So you do have to have the, the audio. That's a good, really good idea. Webcam, um, you know, that was a big upgrade for me when I went to the external webcam this year from the one in the computer. And gosh, those are hard to find. Like people are having trouble. They're sold loud. So I'm not going to give you like a list of the ones to go buy because they might not be there. But I found that was a big upgrade in the crispness and the, the quality as well. Absolutely. Especially if you plan on being a speaker. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a professional speaker, it's it, it's how you show up. It's like walk, showing up in a wrinkled suit. It's the same thing. Absolutely. A great speaker that's fuzzy is not good. And there are a lot of, I mean, do you, should we start to go down some of those other things? That... I would love to. That's a perfect segue to our last big topic. So Joy, obviously, plans events, book speakers, you know, works with sponsors, all these components of, of delivering great experiences for her audience. One of those things is how do those speakers differ when they're showing up online? And we had a good talk, talk about this the other day as we prepped for this video. So tell me a little bit about your experiences in preparing speakers and, and you know, again, any interesting stories you have for that as well. Okay, so I, I'm gonna run through a list of things, but as I told uh, Sarah about previously, Subtlety is lost on speakers. You, you, you need to use the sledgehammer effect um, because kind of implying that maybe their background isn't maybe the best thing, mm, doesn't work. Um, I do full on rehearsals. Where are you going to be sitting? What is the light? What is your background? How does your mic work? I wanna see it. Mm -hmm. I did two sets of rehearsals with all of my speakers for the event in the beginning of this month, and they still showed up in different places. Uh oh. And like, like, okay, here we go. <laughs> so, uh, oh, the other thing that I'm not showing you is, and there's no way really for me to show you, is my laptop 
is on a $30 cheapo plastic thing that I can change the height of. So I could stand up and I just change the way these legs are configured and I, I'm standing or I'm sitting. Yep. And because the camera should be eye level, nobody wants to look at your chin or up your nose and or the ceiling behind you, to be honest, making sure your speaker has their camera at eye level, that they're well lit, that you can hear them. And, and again, you would be surprised. Um, most people have two monitors. Most people cannot resist the urge to look at themselves. It just is, a, it's innate. And what happens is when they have this Zoom thing, they go, oh, I don't want it. I don't want to look at it. And they put it over here. I had presenters give entire presentations like this because I know they're just looking at themselves on their other monitor. And I'm going, well, what are you doing? Don't you see yourself looking off to the side? But the, 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 the urge to look at yourself is so intense. So I tell speakers, minimize that window as small as possible and put it at the top of your screen. Because if you have to look at yourself, at least your eyes are near the camera. Yep. The, uh, the other thing is put your notes underneath the camera and scroll them up so that the things that you want to read or refer to are just beneath the camera line because having people do this for half an hour is also not a really good thing for the viewers. Definitely not. So you recommend speakers, maybe even have two monitors, one for the program, one for their notes to be at eye level or, or even oh. if they're... No. Okay. I'm saying right now on my screen, I have you and I minimized off to the side. Yep. I have to look to see what I look like because I can't resist. <laughs> I can. And right underneath the camera are my bullet pointed notes that I wanted to hit on. So I never have, my eyes never have to stray away from this camera more than a couple of inches. Okay. That's great. So if you're looking at the screen, like part of it's us is our, our pictures, our chat box, but you minimize the chat today. Your notes are here. You don't have to look away. So eye contact, and that looks really good. Okay. Yes. Um, uh, so lighting, we talked about level. Uh, obviously, others in the house. Uh, please make sure that your kids are not Xboxing while you are trying to be on my conference uh, or making noise. Like literally, as we were talking, I had to text my son to stop banging on the floor because <laughs> he's playing music and he's tapping and I heard it and I worried about you hearing it. So even with the best laid plans, right? Yes. Let everybody else in your house know what's happening so that they're on your team. <laughs> it's important. Yeah. Um, we've had panelists be late. And I don't mean by a minute or two, meaning halfway through the section, poof, a speaker just oh, popped no. What do you do? How do you, how do you moderate that? Well, I never in a million years would I have thought because in my head on stage, if you were late, you wouldn't be, I wouldn't be bringing you up on stage. Uh, that is not what I was going to say. If it was on stage, I'd just say you're, you're out. We're not doing it with you. Right. But you can't do that when you've given someone a link. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. So what, so how do you handle that one? Well, at that point we said, here are our panelists. So-and-so has now joined us. Thank you for coming. But, and we, so the, the attitude we have on site always plan, 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 plan. And when you get on site, it shifts to roll with it, yes. always. roll with it. So we rolled with it, but now I know in my speaker communications is if you're late, don't show up. I'd rather you not come than be late because it, it just, it looks, it doesn't look professional for either of us. Uh, again, something I would never have thought about. We had, now normally in a hotel, I know what room my speakers are in. And if they're not downstairs and ready 20 minutes later, we're knocking on that door. Now, granted, it doesn't mean they're always there, but the point is we have a way to get to them. So we asked the speakers, I need your cell phone number in case you're not showing up. I need the number of somebody who can get to you. If you are oversleeping, if you are, I want your spouse, I want your mom. I want somebody who can come knock on your door to find you. We had to deploy that. Unfortunately, the person who was late in the Netherlands gave me the number for their father in Los Angeles. And that really wasn't helpful that morning. Oh my goodness. Time zone disaster. Time zone. So he wasn't going to be able to do anything I wasn't going to be able to do, which was call her cell phone. So that was not a good example of using that strategy. But for the most part, um, I had a spouse or someone else in the house that I could call in case that person wasn't showing up. 
you know, you need to be able to check that they are tech savvy, that they can log into your event in advance, that they're not going to have issues that morning going, wait, I don't understand how to get here because that can happen. You know, are they, are they comfortable sharing slides? Is that something they can do? There are apps these days that allow you to use your phone as a remote. So you put PowerPoint over here and you're on your phone just hitting the button. Um, maybe that's something folks might want to do, make them a little bit smoother on that. Uh, dressing. And I know you've talked about dressing, but it really being in our homes makes us more comfortable. We're talking more candidly than we normally would. Um, and we're seeing that in the content that people are a little bit more candid because they're in an environment where they feel more comfortable. And that should not apply to how you show up dressed. These, oh, I totally agree. These are recorded. These are here for posterity. This is that I'm a reflection of my company right now. I am here and I am dressed as if I am on your stage. I am sitting on the back of my shirt right now to make sure my shoulder lines are or clean, you know what I mean? Like all of those things are still important. I had a speaker show up like fresh out of the shower, wet, slicked back hair, um, oh like let's go. And that's their call for sure. But it's, don't know that that's a good reflection on folks and they have to really think about, you're gonna hit that join the call button. I completely agree with that. And there's a big difference between an internal team Zoom meeting and maybe you do show up out of the shower I don't think I would still show up to work like that. I've never gone to my to a work public workplace like that. But somebody might. Okay, that's over there. We were having a discussion the other day with a client about we're going to bring in some of their customers and we're in this customer engagement kind of event. We had a discussion around they needed they needed to know that hey, this is not work casual. Just because you're still doing it on Zoom, it's you're going to wear a suit and tie. These are our top. 10% to your customers. We want it to look like we're at a board meeting with them so that they really realize the elite level of this, this opportunity. Yep. I, I actually just think you have to, to almost remind people of that today. You know, I don't know what that says about us, but I think you just do. You know, people have to know that I give people dress expectations for a lot of stuff. It just right. seems to help out. The other thing you told me on the phone the other day, I didn't want you to forget about was you mentioned too those distractions like your cat or whatever that kind of thing might be funny in the moment but when somebody watches on the video out of context it doesn't work right right well, yeah a live one-off depending on your audience right knowing your brand uh if that's okay you know women in ag i can probably pull that off at the moment but three months later when someone's watching that video and they're not in the moment they're not in the grant they're not you know, in the kumbaya that we've created during those two days, it doesn't look good. It doesn't hold up. And so I just try to avoid those in general. Point Because there is context, even though we don't think there is, but there is a context in being in the video, in the virtual room, kind of like an inside joke for that, the person who checks it out later. It just may not quite fly. So that's really important to consider. Right. And they might not be watching the series you know, uh, if you refer to a previous session and that person isn't watching that session, you have to understand that the, the way it's consumed afterwards is different. And so you just try to keep it, like I said, professional and keep within the guidelines that you would normally want. Yeah. Well, you shared that you have 10 or 15 of these tips. So if you want to share them out with us after, we welcome that. Uh, it's, you know, it's always good to get that stuff if that interests you. So Joy, tell us a little bit about events coming up for women in agribusiness because I, I, you know, you said, oh, I'm a soft sell. I'm not really into that, but I'm asking for it because I've loved the women in agribusiness events, awesome conferences, love the networking, love the people that I have met through that and stayed in touch with. It's really good stuff. And I'd love for you to share how people can learn more. Sure. Well, thanks. So our North American Women in Ag Conference Summit is going to be September 16th, 17th, and some networking on the 18th. That's completely virtual at uh, womeninag.com. So I don't know, about 18 sessions all in the ag industry. And while it has the word women, the content obviously is open to anyone and is ag-related. So uh, it is not a gender-specific type content at all. In fact, men yeah. do attend. So uh, I don't want to have that be a turnoff for anybody. Um, we do our organic and non-GMO forum, which talks about supply chain issues in that particular segment of the industry where the business opportunities are. That's uh, November 9 and 10 at uh, ongforum.com. And another thing that we have coming up that I'm really excited about uh, is our second 
annual Ignite Minority-Owned Business Expo. And this is where we invite uh, minority-owned farms and ranches to um, engage with supplier diversity uh, representatives from some of the world's largest food uh, manufacturers. So these folks can meet with Pepsi and Mondelez and Barilla and Cargill because they are specifically engaging um, business with minority owned businesses. And so we're trying to build that bridge between, you know, are you an LGBTQ soybean farmer? Great, because I've got a client that wants everything you've got. <laughs> and so uh, we're, 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 we are doing that virtually. Uh, it's a November, December event because it's got different components to it. And that's going to be on the Women in Ag website. Uh, as well. So um, if anyone's interested in participating in any of those, let me know and I'm uh, happy to send you some information. Awesome. So we're happy to, to get you those links and any closing thoughts from you, Joy, just on this topic? I know that's a deep well, but you know, where would you leave people with if they're taking a look at this right now and saying, I've still got budget, I've got stuff to do, maybe even yet this fall and, you know, I got to make a decision. You know what? How would you help them with that? You know, last comment about whether or not to have an event. You mean? Um, I think that's part of it. I mean, I'm discussing that with clients. Should we still do it? You know, we've got budget. I guess we could move it to next year, but we might lose it. You know, I, I think part of it's that whether or not to have it. Yeah. Okay. So this, there is value here. There is business to be done here. There are good connections to be here. I think if you are confident that you can bring the value that the attendee, always look through the attendee lens, not through the sponsor lens, not through your lens. If the attendees are gonna walk away going, that was a good use of time, or I got a lot out of that, then do it. It's again, this is how business is being done. Those other doors are closed. This is the only door to walk through. If you're shaky on whether or not this is really something that's needed, then I wouldn't do it again because you're just adding to the noise and making it harder when you do want to, when you do want to do it, it's going to be harder because people are going to be tired of events. It's all about having a strong value proposition, which by the way, will set you apart from all of those waves of really valueless web series that we're seeing as well. So I think that's the differentiator. Okay. So the strong value proposition, do we really need to get in front of this attendee at this time? We've had a couple of questions about, I just don't even know if I can pull it off virtually. Is there any recommendations you would have to, to help people? And to me, it's have some kind of a team. My team is small. I have Jasmine here helping me live, which is really helpful. You know, you've got a bigger team. And how would you help people to get the confidence to pull it off virtually? Like anything else, it has to be done deliberately uh, with intention. Uh, this is not just a, you have a full plate, but host that event too, because that's the, this needs time, care, and attention either have a team dedicated that you're going to carve off bandwidth for them, hire somebody or work with a partner who, who is. I, I, I'm constantly shocked by these teams that throw up events, but then make no allotment of their work, work hours to actually manage it. I think for me, where a lot of this falls down, they're like, oh, we'll just host a webinar on Wednesday. Well, yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. You know, <laughs> yeah, you can, it's not going to be great. And you may actually be doing more damage to your reputation by having that bad webinar, but make sure you're, you're doing it, these things intentionally. And again, look at all this through the attendees' eyes. Are, are they going to enjoy this experience? Are they going to get something out of ex this experience? And if you can confidently answer those yeses, then, then go for it. You can do it. But like anything else you want to do well, it takes time and attention. To recap what we've learned today, I want to thank Joy a great deal for committing her time. She is a very busy individual. They have a lot of events. They're constantly planning events. Like, I don't think you have an off season, do you? No. <laughs> okay. At least I can't tell that you do from the calendar of events I see online and, and from, you know, kind of getting to know other people on your staff. So I want to thank her very much for taking her time. I encourage you all to reach out and take a look at their events. They are really high quality. The content and delivery is excellent. You're going to be glad that you did. And today, you know, to recap, things that I've learned are part of the process is getting over the grief of we lost our live event for the time being and pivoting and working through mindsets with your team to think about how you can still engage your audience and deliver. Joy also just shared with us, make sure you're doing it deliberately. Carve out the time. Build a team that can put this on 
and it does not damage your brand by being a half-hearted event that's not really in the attendees' best interest. Also, we talked a little bit about engagement strategies and some of the things that she suggested for just keeping people in the meeting, but realizing that not every strategy works with every audience. Always focus on the attendee. Know that audience and make sure that you're delivering stuff that they are going to enjoy and they're comfortable engaging in where your engagement isn't going to happen. And finally, prepping speakers is an essential piece of any online event. Don't forget to do that. Test their technology, look at their backgrounds, suggest their wardrobes, and help them with a plan to be connected to you right before the event to ensure they get there on time. With that, Sarah Beth Aubrey here signing off. See you next time.